Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Welcome to episode 21 of Window on the West. We are today going to go through chapter 17 of the coming of men into the West as we first learn about who the houses of men are and where they go. Actually, we're, I think we're only going to do the first half of it this week. Um, just so, to keep our conversations tend to get a little long winded and uh, we don't want to lose you guys. Halfway so through. instead of, instead of, of the coming of the men into the West, we're just going to do of the coming of, of right. Right. And we'll <laughs> worry about the men in the West part until later. And that, that right down there, that's Michael Grumbine. Welcome, Michael. Nice to see you this week. Good to see you guys. <laughs> and that right there is Dan Coates. He's over on my left and in California again on the left coast. Yeah, good to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, this week um, we are going to do... All that is gold does not glitter. But we're going to take a slightly different approach. Um, there are things in life that are gold but don't glitter enough. Things that go unrewarded, things that go unnoticed, perhaps that deserve a few more accolades than they should. So we're each going to name one thing as, as fans of Tolkien, as, uh, as readers and viewers and listeners, uh, the one thing, one thing that we think doesn't get enough, uh, accolades, uh, as something that is golden, but doesn't glitter. I don't know. It's a tortured intro, but there you have it. Um, so I'll get started. So there is a, 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 an artist, a musician who I have followed for many years. And uh, uh, I, I grew to like it because you're familiar, uh, I, think, I think, Michael, I don't know if you are, Dan, with Stephen Lawhead, Stephen R. Lawhead, who wrote mm. uh, The Pendragon Cycle, probably what he's best known for. Yeah. And um, I read that when I was in high school. And uh, at one point, he connected with an artist named Jeff Johnson. Uh, who was kind of a, I guess you could say a, an electronic art, artist. There was a whole period of time, like a Celtic kind of like where Celtic music was popular. You now Enya came around and then you had uh, other um, uh, other artists like Night Noise. And um, yeah. boy, I'm, I'm really stretching here to remember who, because it's not exactly something that I follow. But anyway, so he started, he, he created uh, a series of albums called The Song of Albion, which was also uh, a series of books by Stephen Lawhead. And so that introduced me to him and I listened to it. And it's, it's, for me, it was like the perfect music to do school to, to, um, to have, uh, uh, to have when I was wanting to listen to something that wasn't going to like take over my brain as I was listening to it. It's not, and it's not like ambient. So, um, I'm going to just name one particular album. I will maybe two since it is, uh, if you're not listening during the Christmas season, since it is the Christmas season. So the one album uh, is called, I'm going to find it here. So this one particular album, um, and it is named uh, The Bard and The Warrior. Uh, and uh, he, it, I, got, I think it originally came out in 99 or 98. He does it, he does it with a, a flautist named Brian Dunning, uh, who sadly passed away, I think, last year or earlier this year. 
but it is incredibly soothing and uplifting uh, and somber, and it runs the gamut. And so he's got, and it's it's not just like Celtic, as in uh, it, it's it feels old school because it has a little bit of modernity modernity to it, right? It was at the time when this came out at the time when I think Moby was also kind of making his mark originally back in the day, and so there's a little bit of that influence. But I really enjoy his music. Um, I think let's see. So this URL is Jeff Johnson Music bandcamp.com but you can also go to i think it's just arc music ark music.com and find it um he has quite a few quite 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 a few albums here um as you can see um so i would definitely start with the bard and the warrior and then if you like something that's uh in christmas tradition here you go stars in the morning east it's got um some a couple of new songs and it's got a lot of uh a lot of really beautiful uh, you know, traditional pieces too. So, uh, and it starts with a great poem um, by Patrick Havenock called uh, A Christmas Childhood. It's a, a nice reading by an, uh, an, I think it's an Irish actor named Barry McGovern. So anyway, it's my long winded way of saying, check out Jeff Johnson, go to mm. arcmusic.com and uh, maybe you'll find that you like it. Dan, I'm gonna hand it to you since you're directly below me right now. <laughs> Uh, so my uh, All It Is Gold Does Not Glitter, something that's underrated that maybe some people haven't heard of. It's a small little podcast and YouTube channel called Theocast. Um, these are two guys. Uh, they're both pastors. Uh, I think they're, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're 1689 Baptists, which means they're kind of like in the Reformed tradition. So this is probably a, a niche a niche recommendation. There they are, um, Jonathan Moffat and... Um, Justin, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> but I started. I found these guys this year, and I started listening to them. And they're 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 just like very pastoral, very thoughtful. Um, they, they got a range of, of podcasts and topic videos. Um, just you know, they they like one of their big videos that I see on their on their YouTube channel right now is "Stop Watching the Chosen." So that's probably controversial and something to something. To, that's, if, that's, if you're isn't that heretical now? <laughs> oh, the chosen? <laughs> no, no. Stop watching it. Oh, stop watching it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, but like I, I definitely I, I think I started catching on to these guys when they did a series on um, I think they did a, a series on Lordship Salvation. And that, that's probably like a very, very niche uh, topic that was like the John MacArthur controversy of um you know, when you, when you put your faith in Christ, um, it, I don't even know if I can sum it up, but I have to go watch that podcast. <laughs> you again. have to listen to the podcast. Yeah. You have to right. listen to the podcast if that's something that you're interested in, but yeah, they have a lot of different topics and the, the way that they tackle them are very thoughtful, very pastoral. And I just appreciate those guys a lot. So how long is each episode about? Cause I mean, you know, this is not exactly what happened to baptism. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, but is it half an hour or four hours? Uh, you know, I, I mainly catch these guys on YouTube and if I look on YouTube on the podcast, they're about 30 minutes to 40 minutes. It okay. looks like yeah, 48 so minutes, 30, right 30 to 40 minutes. And, uh, I, I like those guys a lot. Cool. I'm going to yeah. check it out. I haven't heard of it yet. Thanks Dan. I will too. Very nice. Michael, your choice. All right. So for my All That Is Gold Is Not Glitter, um, I have chosen the highly underrated Michael Scott. 
Rohan, <laughs> who is neither Michael Scott from The Office nor Rohan from Tolkien's Middle Earth. <laughs> he is, he is in fact, he is a Scottish author <laughs> of fantasy. So he's a fantasy author, wrote his uh, trilogy of which I'm going to plug in the 1980s er, and uh, early 90s. It's, um, and it's winter of the, the winter of the world. It's an ice age um, setting. So, um, and it's a, he does an excellent job of world building um, and keeping himself, despite his last name, keeping himself very, very different from Tolkien and in his sub-creation. And uh, he, I find him to be um, under-admired in the world of fiction. And uh, his his uh, trilogy is a little on the brutal side. It's, it's, it is very sort of um, Ice Age, but not, not to the gratuitous level that uh, someone like George R.R. R. Martin would go, but, but still... A, a fair, a fairly, um, fairly rough, but uh, heroic and epic uh, trilogy. So this is his again, his the Winter of the World trilogy, and that would be um, the Anvil of Ice, the Forge in the Forest, and the Hammer of the Sun. One more thing about it that I I have kinship with, and I think he holds in some kinship with Tolkien, in is, is that if um, as 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 I am not new, uh, as I am pointing out in, in nothing new that. Um, no, no doubt other people have heard it before. Tolkien, as it turns out, you know, you look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you look at his book, The Silmarillion, which his son published on his behalf posthumously. But um, Tolkien has a great concern and love for things that are forged, like uh, the idea of intelligent beings forging things and then those things becoming the center of attention uh, and and being the, 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 the hub around which an epic uh, rolls is um, is something that uh, Michael Scott Rohan also shares, and hmm. uh, and so the the idea of forging things and that beca those becoming the fo the foci of the story is uh, is is a similarity. But um, that's about where the similarity ends. Very different from Tolkien, but also but underrated. So so the I, anvil the anvil of ice is the first one, the one you'd recommend first. Yes, the so the first book in the trilogy is the anvil of ice, and then the next is the forge in the forest, and the final okay. is the hammer of the sun. And as you can probably tell, anvil, forge, and hammer all have to do with forging things. So, um, the uh, the hmm. noun, the nouns, and the titles uh, title kind of give that part away. But but uh, it's it's it, it's got some serious twists in it um, that uh, I didn't expect. And I was a great reader of sci-fi and fantasy back in those days. And so uh, it's 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 good work. Wow, I've never never heard of him. I think you mentioned him you once go. in the conversation in the past, but uh, yeah, uh, you're criminally underrated. If if uh, and I trust you, right? I your your tastes are are shaped well, right? Well, or or I'm, leading, like, I'm leading you deeply astray, perhaps, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> so cool. All right, sweet. Well, that, there's a little different uh, take on all that is gold does not glitter. I'm sure we'll get back to our quotes, but maybe you guys are bored of that too, man. Maybe we just don't want the stress of being wrong or coming up with good reasons. So I love it. You can't I... argue with our opinion. That's the idea. Here. <laughs> Notice we're doing a podcast where we don't allow people to argue. Right, that's right. Yeah, there's that's no talking right. back. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Well, speaking of 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 arguing, Dan, uh, what today as we go through the first half and I'm going to say we, we end um, we're going to end with the the part of the chapter uh, that starts with but many men remained in estelad this is right after thingol says no man may come into doriath so that's that's where we're going to stop in this this episode and then the next episode we're going to continue on with this because i think we'll go way too long if we don't so anyway dan today what is dan's big thought 
So my big thought on just this portion of this chapter that we're reading today, um, you have men coming out of the West, and uh, we're kind of introduced to them through the first group that comes over the mountains. They're coming over the, is it the Blue Mountains? And they're yes, coming sir. into Beleriand. And the first company is led by somebody named uh, Beor. And uh, it's kind of interesting because you have Finrod kind of meeting them and introducing himself to him through song. He picks up a, a, a harp. Is it a harp or a, a lute or something? Or Harp, he, yeah. Yeah, he, a, he basically, he basically introduces himself. Harp. Yeah, he, he picks up a harp and starts playing a song and singing to them kind of about like the, the creation of the world and, and everything in it. So it's kind of a interesting way to introduce yourself to somebody. <laughs> but, um, but you do learn something about the um, men that come over the mountains. And it, it seems like they kind of have had a run-in with Morgoth in their past. And they have a darkness in their past that they're kind of running away from. And you you read that the way they introduce themselves, or at least the, the discussion with Beor, is that there is a darkness on our past. We don't want to return to it, even in our thoughts. We are going mm. westwards. We are looking for the light. And I thought that that was a very interesting way of introducing this group of, basically this whole other group of beings, that they are, there's a darkness in their past and they're looking for light. And I, that, that creates an interesting... Um, motivation for them coming over hmm. the mountains very nice yeah yeah and that like that's a great point because i i wonder always what is the darkness that they're escaping is it you know is it the dark things that orome would hunt when there was when there were only the stars and before they had discovered um the uh, the elves or well, or is it also morgoth or does he say that Am I uh, missing the, the paragraph that i read on on this page here um, it's, it's talking about how Morgoth uh, was watchful, and when, when men came around, he himself departed Angband and went to Middle-earth, oh, leaving Sauron in command of the war. So, Sauron, hmm. so Morgoth himself comes to the men, and it says, Thanks. Of his dealings with men, the Eldar indeed knew nothing at that time and learned but little afterwards. Totally missed that. But that a right. darkness lay upon the hearts of men as the shadow of the kinslaying and the doom of Mandos lay upon the Noldor. So it kind of seems like they have their own dark past that they don't want to talk about, that they, they did something bad at some point. Right. It's, it's fascinating because we're not told what it is, but clearly Tolkien is making a reference here to a kind of corruption, a, mm -hmm. a, kind, of, a kind of primary sin, the way that the kinsling is the primary sin of the Noldor elves. And um, I, I, th I thought that was really powerful because it shows us that basically the worship of Morgoth was established long, long ago before even the elves were aware that men had awoken. And so it's, it's there from their very roots. Um, and these people, these particular people that uh, Finrod Felagund um, has m met are, are fleeing that evil. Mm -hmm. And there are two other peoples. So there's a total of three peoples of men that it speaks about in this first half of the chapter. I believe there's three. Maybe I'm, maybe I missed one, but, uh, but yes, this, it, it's really, really interesting because Morgoth finds it to be so in, important. Hmm. And, and it even says why it gives us his sort of, here is Morgoth and his core motivation. Now we know this reading, having read it, but it is interesting that Tolkien reinforces it here. He says, to corrupt or destroy whatsoever arose new and fair was ever the chief desire of Morgoth. And doubtless he had this purpose also in his errand, 
by fear and lies to make men the foes of the Eldar and bring them up out of the east against Beleriand. Hmm. So, so there's, you know, this is this is Morgoth's chief purpose. It's it, it, something new has arisen. It, we remember the time in the song where every time something new arose and beautiful, he would try to drown it out with his cacophony. Mm-hmm. And and this is he's just playing that out continuously in Middle Earth. Yeah. Do, do you think so? Do you think since he was out there and he was doing that right? And so they, I'm I'm trying to find the line exactly where they talked about also how the men met um, other dark elves, and I believe the word dark is used. Yes. Uh, we, uh, yes. So here yeah. it is. It is said also that men had long dealings, had long had dealings with the dark elves east of the mountains. And from them had learned much of their speech. And since all the language of the Quendi were of one origin, the language of Bayor and his folk resembled the elven tongue in many words and devices. So uh, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't seem like if they're, they, they had dealings with the dark elves and these were not exactly the, um, uh, the best of the best, I guess, anymore, because probably those dark hmm. elves may have also been influenced by Morgoth and, and how he was, you know, turning out into that area. Uh, or maybe those, those elves, did not think of them as friends either, which is a great word we'll come up with here, hopefully, maybe at some point. Yes, yes, this is my my favorite line. So Dan gets his big thought, and I thought we should each also every time give our, our favorite lines of the chapter. So I'm going to, I'll read my favorite line, which which may be your favorite line too, Jonathan. But uh, but there, there's a fantastic line. So when the men start to settle in the uh, in the lands of Beleriand, or at least in the, in the very specific lands that they're allowed to move to or choose to move to. Um, the green elves who are living in Osiria, and I believe, um, send a complaint. They lodge a formal complaint with the manager. <laughs> 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 the manager in this case being, uh, uh, Finrod. uh, Finrod. It's funny to me that Tolkien calls him Feligund all the time as Feligund isn't even his real name. It's just a name given to him, but he's yeah, referred to yeah. referred to as if it's like his last name or something. And it, but any it, interesting, but, um, so the line, Michael's favorite line of the chapter. Oh, should should I read it or no? Sure, yeah, read it. I mean, okay. So, so I highlighted this too because it is just so odd. But it, I think the word choice says so much about the, the elves and their thought process and how they approach the men. Exactly. Said they. So these are the green elves of Osirian, and they're speaking to Feligan, and they say, "Lord, if you have power over these newcomers, bid them return by the ways they came, or else go forward." For we desire no strangers in this land to break break the peace in which we live. And I'm going to stop there for a second. That's not my favorite line, but that's it, it tells us one of the biggest differences between the Green Elves um, and reinforcing the Green Elves and the Sindarin and the Noldor, right? Because the Green Elves are very reclusive. It's one of their characters. Is there, And we see that even in The Hobbit when the Green Elves of, of Mirkwood can't be tied down, can't be, they keep disappearing on the dwarves. They're just, they're very reclusive people. Now the favorite line. And these folk are hewers of trees and hunters of beasts. Therefore, we are their unfriends. And if they will not depart, we shall afflict them in all ways that we can. <laughs> so the idea, so the so it turns out social media came last. The green elves <laughs> came first. That that unfriending is a thing in Tolkien. I, I think it's funny because I, I look at this as like as if somebody were writing this down. It's like, therefore, we are their enemy. No, we're going to cross it out. Therefore, we are their foes. No, no, we can't. can't use it. Therefore, we are their f- not friends. Unfriends. <laughs> Un- unfriends. And I'm like, that's, it says like, we're just not, we're not cool with you. It's not like we hate you completely 100% and want to do battle. But yeah, can, can we just ignore you or 
make sure that we we don't have to see you at all because we want to yeah. we don't want anything to do with you but we don't want to fight you it's sort of it's this weird in, middle ground of like how the elves think of uh think of men right just uh, just uh it's kind of icky dirty don't don't get close to just us kinda, just kind of gross just go away yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite line too um i think there are other really interesting parts but just that use of the word unfriends is so unique to how we Tolkien we are this. we are unfriends <laughs> yeah dan was this one yours too that one that, that, stuck that, out? that, yeah. that was my it's favorite hard not line to. Yeah, yeah it's so good well i thought you know something else that struck me speaking of how the noldor or, or how how finrod approached the men it reminded me very much of how the valar approached the elves right silently watched them although here it's a lot more compressed and he wanted to help them just like the Valar wanted to help the elves and bring them over to Valinor, and he wants to bring them over to uh, Beleriand. And it just, I just thought there was an interesting parallel between how Finrod approached them and how um, uh, how Finarfin approached Finarfin, right? Am I right? Like no. the king? No, Fingolfin. Fingolfin. Um, we had this whole discussion about the Fs in our Discord chat. And still, F and elves. Yeah, these <laughs> elves, man. Fingolfin, right? And so they they want to. It's like they want to bring the men in. The 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 Noldor do not not Fingol, who's exactly who's right. Not not uh, the green elves who never went to 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 Valinor. But it's only the elves who went to Valinor and who experienced that. It's like they want to evangelize, right? Come to our church and see the glory that we have here i don't know that's that started did that did that, did that hit for you guys at all either but uh i mean they called him gnome wisdom so clearly they think a lot about him right which which was interesting because in a few episodes ago we talked about in the list in the subscriber section we talked about the word gnome it used mm -hmm. to be because uh, in this version tolkien drops the g from it um but it was it used to be gnome or gnome as as we as we pronounce it in his right, early, right. earlier drafts and yeah. uh, now, now it's just gnome n-o-m or gnomen the wise gnome. yeah yeah i don't know that that was something that was interesting to me I, I didn't i didn't really dive into like if there was any sort of uh historical construct that he decided to go into and like i'm, I'm gonna make these parallel in a way but that parallel between the elves wanting to bring these men over i thought was unique what did you think what did you all think of um finrod's mind reading capabilities yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to Galadriel, right? It speaks to what she could do with um, with the hobbits and with uh, Aragorn and uh, Bormir in uh, in Lorien, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, yeah, this is a lesser version of it because it says, now the Eldar were beyond all other people skilled in tongues, and Felagun discovered also that he could read in the minds of men such thoughts as they wished to reveal in speech so that their words were easily interpreted. It's telling us, like, he was able to learn their language almost instantly because he could basically read their thoughts. Um, as, as, as they were speaking the words, he knew what they intended to say. So in his mind, he thinks in Elvish. So in his mind, he's, he's hearing different words come out of their mouth, and he's able to say, oh, that word is referring to mountain. That yeah. word is referring to darkness. And it's, it's an interesting kind of mind reading. It's a very philological sort of mind yeah. reading. <laughs> Either that or he's a betazoid. <laughs> oh, for you old timers who know some Star Trek uh, Next Generation. The, this kind of reminds me of um, the elf that Frodo and Sam run into in the Shire. And they're, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there like a part where he glows and he, he kind of projects his power over the uh, Nazgul? Uh, well, the Nazgul are afraid of him and his people. 
but I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly. Like he he seemed to have some kind of like otherworldly power that he was able to repel the Nazgul in some way. And yeah, well, it was his radiance. It was like so. Yeah. It's, this is you're talking about Gildor Inglorian. Gildor, he, yeah. Um, he's he's one of the lords in. Um, or is it Glorfindel? No, oh, it's, Gildor. It's, it's, it's Gildor. Gildor. Okay, but 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 he has something similar. Glorfindel has it probably more, but but Gildor has this this radiance and glory. He's clearly an elf that has seen the light of the two trees. And um, when it comes to beings that have seen the light of the two trees, as we've discovered, the Noldor of old, um, of which he's one, the, these are people that are in a different weight most other things. Even the Nazgul don't like to mess with them. Yeah. So is that, is that something that applies to all of the Noldor that have come from Valinor, that they all kind of have like this otherworldly quality about them, that they are just I've, terribly powerful and, you know, just... I believe so. I mean, this is really? why, like, you think of the last alliance of elves and men, right? Um, and which is mostly Sindarin um, elves. The lords of the Sindarin in that battle, which are the the Noldor, the descendants of the Noldor, like Elrond, um, they're they're just on a different level. I mean, they're remember how Sauron's armies ambush them, keep getting wiped off the off the map. Um, every time the like hordes of orcs innumerable have no effect on Noldor elves. They're, they, if you had an army of these guys, which they did back at this time, nothing can fight. You know, Morgoth has to invent dragons and, and to in order to fight them. Mm. Um, they just can't be bested. They're they're just a different a different kind of uh, being in that regard. Mm. Um, yeah, so. this is this is the line I think that from um, from Fellowship of the Ring, Dan, that you're thinking of, where uh, Tolkien writes about the elves that Frodo and the company meet on the road uh, as they're being pursued by the uh, ringwraith. They bore no lights, yet they walked, yet as they walked, a shimmer like the light of the moon above the rim of the hills before it rises seemed to fall about their feet. So there is, yeah, you're right, there is a power like that the, That light of the trees or the, the Valinorian, I don't know, residue. Hmm. Right. Even, even this many <clears throat> thousands of years later. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like X Men. Right. They're they're right. a little mutated. Yeah. <laughs> and then the best they have, line they have some superpowers. The, the best it. line of the entire Fellowship of the Ring, soon after that, when they say to uh, Frodo, "But we have no need of the other company, and hobbits are so dull." <laughs> That's right. So right there, they're like, "We could read your mind already." And uh, yeah, so they kind of have like a capability of mind reading. They have a capability of projecting light into outside their bodies they're they're just super powerful super strong super fast they exist on a level they remember when frodo has the ring on he sees them he sees um glorfindel um as like an opposite of the of the ring wraiths so instead of in the in in the realm in the in the realm of shadow of light and shadow he's like this burning beacon so they just they're full of light and Mm. both spiritually and even there's even physical effects they can speak to the trees and the earth. They can speak to each other. They can talk without moving their lips to inside the minds of others. The greatest can do it in anybody like Galadriel, but but they can um, talk with each other back and forth. Wow. Um, they're 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 just a different level. And you know this is why this this is a this whole tale of the Silmarillion is such a tragedy because these are beings of immense ability and beauty and grace and power, and they. They crash and burn, <laughs> and the and the dark elves that these men have previously encountered in the east, they don't have the quite the same qualities. No, yeah. no, 
They are singing all the time, but they don't have the same qualities. <laughs> yeah, they still sing. <laughs> they, they sing and and uh, they are the unfriends. <laughs> they they have unfriends. <laughs> they have friends <laughs> right. and unfriends. And and did you know that that's not the only time that the word unfriend is used in this chapter? Did you catch did. it the second I time? Did. I did. But go ahead. Yeah, he says it again uh, in the section right after this, where uh, first came the Haladin, which is the one you just brought up, Michael, the, the one that I forgot. Uh, Tolkien writes, first came the Haladin, but meeting the unfriendship of the Green Elves, they turned north and dwelt in Thargelion. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, no, no, no. Again, they are not friends with the Dark Elves, with the Sindar. So we're just going to continue and keep them moving on. And so the, these men, these of the, the, the three that are brought up here, uh, they they move on and they get back into where did they go from here right uh, I'm trying to this is where I'm going to bring up the map again because it's super important <laughs> and really difficult to remember everything so we've got here so they they end up in Thargelion is that right am I remembering that right yes yeah so they all end up in Thargelion because they they heard of a green and fertile land they came down the dwarf road which would be I think up in there it's um, below below so oh, right there south. yep right there and uh they dwell dwell there uh and then eventually fingolfin sent messengers of welcome to them just like the valar did to the elves kind of mm. uh and they went away and they took service so actually these men were they, they they respected them enough to actually take them into the service of uh of or the elves took them in, into their service which i thought was kind of surprising yeah and it's it is interesting because you <laughs> you will see a lot um, some effects of the elves assimilation or rather not so assimilation um in in the next half which we will do next week yes. but uh but but there's it, it is really interesting the way tolkien you know his he's pointing out that the reaction of these races of men to the elves or at least some of them especially the people of Beor uh, or balan as he was originally called uh his people's most of his people's reaction was friendship awe um they're 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 basically in awe of the elves and they seek to basically live with them be protected by them yeah um benefit from them and um they they basically see them as the advanced race um yeah. if i was if i was going to go sci-fi on this this would yeah. be an example of an advanced race meeting a primitive race and the men are definitely the primitive race yeah um, in this regard for sure it's interesting to me that these uh noldor elves see the men coming over the mountains and go like, oh, yeah, th these guys are strong and we can use them. Like, you would think they would look hmm. down on them and just be like, these guys are weak. Like, why are they, <laughs> why will we have them? You, you would think they would all have the same reaction as Thingol or the Green Elves. Well, there was this one book once that said, um, the Lord said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And so what, the, what we know about the Noldor is that they don't have many children. That, that's part of the curse of... Um, mm of the doom of mandos and they're fading as they they lack children and so clearly after a little bit of time they they will notice that the men have lots of children and so they can think of them as well well maybe these could be of help N not that they would admire them their prowess but they do admire their courage as we'll find out again in the in the next um reading but but uh, they they um they will also admire their numbers yeah and this is where i, I just want to point out right so so their numbers, where it says many thousands of the Edain, which is what they were called, uh, moved from Estelad over here all the way over to the land of the kings, right? Over over 
uh, <laughs> not Gothron over there, right? Yeah. Down the left. So so they all kind of migrated over there. Some stayed in Estelad, the encampment. Avoid, avoiding Doriath, though, avoiding unlike Jonathan's Doriath, box. Right, because they're not allowed in here. Because because Finrod said to them, Into Doriath shall no man come while my realm lasts, not even those of the house of Bayar who serve Finrod the Beloved. Oh, mm-hmm. It was nice of him to call him the Beloved. Mm. Um, so he had he wanted nothing. Just like the other Dark Elves, he wanted nothing to do with the men. Just keep them out. I mean, interestingly, everyone loves Finrod. It, again, I know we keep bringing it up um, every episode or perhaps almost every episode, but again, so much lost in the recently done Rings of Power series. Yes. Because, Sor- because Soren loved him so much he tattooed him. Oh, poor Go but fin- Finrod would, would have been a wonderful character to have lots of flashbacks about and and to play up as the because he is one of the primary characters of this age and one of the movers and shakers and the and the, one of the greatest and best of the elves in every mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of boiled him down into the boats look up guy. <laughs> Ships look up and rocks look down. Yeah, yeah, and then the oh, the man. the vengeance tool. The he's so dead. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, they're so, going to fix it all in season two. So these mm-hmm. men that are coming over, they're they're finding unfriendship with the green elves. They're, the Thingol says, don't come into my kingdom. And so he they end up spreading out among all the other kingdoms. Is that right? With all of the sons of Feanor, the sons of Fenarfin. They're they're mm-hmm. kind of like they're kind of like setting up on all the uh, the mountains that are surrounding Morgoth. Right. Well, some some of them, but the some of them in Estelad. Um, which is in right. Remember how the last chapter we covered most of the story took place in Nan Elmoth, this tiny little forest of shadows yeah. in the middle of the Beleriand. Well, south of that little forest is this big land that has um, that. That's where m- most of them settled. They settled in Thargelion, Thargelion, sorry, right. Thargelion, mm-hmm. and in um, Estelad. And then there were some that settled over in Nargothrond, and um, but. Uh, and and then we'll find out that there were others that settled in Brethel, the forest of Brethel. But that's again next chapter. Yeah, yeah. got it. Or, ne- or next part next, of next section, right? Yeah. And so so this section does end, I think, with a you know big hints, large pointers, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Um, and that's that's when Melian, after hearing her husband again, she's like, "Oh, hubby dear, mm-hmm. do not understand <laughs> what's going to happen to you. I am." a supernatural being, and perhaps you should talk to me before making these grand proclamations that will uh, yeah. cast doom on our entire family and people ahead of us. It is interesting because, look, Thingol is Elway. He's one of the original lords of the uh, original elves, first-generation elf. He is this this being of great power and glory, and he marries a Maiar, the only elf to ever marry a Maiar. Um, and yet, we're, Tolkien is continually reminding us of how kind of short-sighted and and he is and he he has a lack of wisdom um mm-hmm. about him mm-hmm. and he's he's you know he goes into rage mode pretty easily and and um it's it'll be his downfall ultimately but uh yeah it's a it, he, he's a very flawed character for a king yeah and this goes what million says to him or uh she says to galadriel sorry afterwards mm-hmm. uh it it speaks again of how much she knows, which is a question we kind of dealt with earlier, because why didn't she know that the Noldor were coming? But here she knows, for instance, of she has a premonition of sorts. I don't, I don't know what to call it. It's not a it's not a I wouldn't say it's a uh, prophecy. 
I guess. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. What, what would we call this here? Here's what she says. After, after uh, Thingol declares that no men shall come into Doriath. She says to Galadriel, Now the world runs on swiftly to great tidings. And one of men, even of Beor's house, shall indeed come, and the girdle of Melian shall not restrain him, for doom greater than my power shall send him, and the songs that shall spring from that coming shall endure when all Middle-earth is changed. Sounds like she knows quite a bit about what's coming. <laughs> right, and she's, yeah. of course, referring to Baron. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what's interesting is I don't know why we wouldn't call it a prophecy. Yeah. It is a, it's directly a prophecy. It's uh, like it, right. she's, she's predicting directly what's going to happen in the future. I feel like there's a better word that Tolkien would come up with to describe that, but mm-hmm. I can go with prophecy. Yeah, I mean, Tolkien, <laughs> Tolkien does use the word prophecy. I mean, he uses it about the Witch King, for example. Uh, it's mm-hmm. even down to the detail that like, the map is going to change. Yeah, right. Like yeah, yeah, all of Middle Earth will be changed. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. And you know, this is kind of like the since we're right now we're recording this in the season of Advent. Mm-hmm. I, I she, she starts her sentence. Now the world runs on swiftly to great tidings. Um, not the kind of great tidings that we are looking forward to in the season of Advent. <laughs> <laughs> These great tidings yeah, are a little no. a little different. <laughs> hmm. oh. Man. A little more destructive. Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward to to getting into that story too because yeah, yeah it is that's a prophecy. The, well, that's and it's and it's one of Tolkien's favorite stories. Yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts, guys, on this chapter before we uh, jump into if you like Tolkien? Harps. I've always wanted to play a harp. harp. It's amazing. Like, was this harp like it was a it was a what do you say it was a uh, it was rude, a harp. rude harp? Yeah. Yes. So could he tune it? <laughs> like, did he know what key it was in? Was it a minor? Like, at, at what point? Yeah. I, ima- I imagine that elves just would do that all without thinking. It would be if intu- he could read their in- mind intuitive. He would just pick it up and start playing intuitively. Yeah, perfect pitch is uh, is a nothing burger to them. Yeah, they don't even probably don't even have that word because that's that's just the way they all are. <laughs> it's all of them. They sing enough for it. Jeez, we sing, don't we? Of course, we have perfect pitch. Of course, we have pitch by which we mean perfect pitch. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It just goes with it. Yeah, it's interesting to me that they come over the mountains. They're looking for the light. Uh, I think it even says to the to the point of like there there's rumor that there's Valar to the west, so we're coming this way. Oh, that's and right. They, we they, forgot about they, that. Yeah. And they run into Finrod, and he's just this glowing dude with a harp, playing and singing about the song of creation. And uh, and it, it, they even think he's a Valar. They're like, maybe oh, he's wow. a Valar, right? Maybe right. he's a Valar until they start talking to him, but. It's just really interesting to me that these, they come over the mountains and they think they've made it. They think they're safe. And then, like, actually, you just walked into World War III. <laughs> like, right. It's just, it's just interesting that they think they make it and, and they're, they're, they're not quite there. Just Isn't like it? the elves that went to Valinor thinking they'd have it good and they, too— Walked into battle. I'm just saying, there's a parallel. There's a parallel. <laughs> but isn't it, it isn't it fascinating how Tolkien continually writes stories about World War III in different places? But always he he has this ability, unlike every other apocalyptic tale that a fiction that we can read. His World War Threes are surrounded by unbelievable natural beauty and and grace, and then there and then and then everything goes. To, to heck in a handbasket. So that's because to him, and there's something we can talk about when we go through on fairy stories, but it's all right. You catastrophe is the most important, like it's the, the bright lights of, of glory and beauty and the things that I I can't remember the phrasing. He has a great phrase for that. Um, or the definition of that. I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but it's a, it would be a great, great thing to look into further because yeah, 
Beauty and darkness is far, far greater. Like, like a single flower that's in the midst of a ton of weeds is more beautiful than a single flower among a million other flowers. A field of flowers. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you catastrophe. You catastrophe. Love it. Yeah. That, that is EU catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Like, like the European Union catastrophe. It's, it's not me catastrophe and you catastrophe. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to close off this part here. Next, next, next week we'll go into uh, the section that begins. But many men remained in Estlad in the same chapter, chapter seventeen. Uh, and so we're going to jump into something unique and interesting. And if you stick around for the extended podcast, which I should have teased earlier, dang it, I didn't. However, if you stick around for it, we're going to do something kind of unique. So, so if you like Tolkien, I have this here. Um, you can see this. This is a. Uh, <laughs> This can is something, we? Can, but can we see it? You, well, if you're if you're you go on YouTube, <laughs> there we go. Look, you can see it. It's in a bag still. Okay. Uh, go on YouTube if you want to see this. This is um, the Ring of Power from Burger King. <laughs> and it's it's the weird thing you get from family members when you have a yard sale, and they're like, nice. "Hey, I found this thing sitting in my garage. Do you want it?" So it's unopened, um, and it says the Rings of Power. The Fellowship of the Ring. It's got a red base with fire and a cheap-looking gold ring that's held up by this fire. Ooh, and it turns. I'm, I'm going to discover what this is. I've never opened it. I'm, I'm going to open it right now. That's right. We do unboxing on this, this channel, is an too. unboxing from, <laughs> I think it's 2000, 2001 when, it came, yeah. when the Fellowship of the Ring came 21 out. 21 years, this this bag has been waiting was, to be uh, opened. I was going to say, wait, don't. And then I checked eBay. It's 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 affordable. It's like, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, it's like 12 bucks <laughs> on eBay. But I didn't have to spend 12 bucks. So there's actually like a, there, there's a little... A battery pull tab there. Remove from Ooh. to use. Remove to uh, use. All right, how so. much? This how is 22 much, years old. Uh, are we going to bet on whether the battery still works after all this time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what you're supposed to do with it. I don't know. It, 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 it clicks when I spin it. This is all very interesting. How about the other way? <laughs> it's a good sign. It's clicking. All right. I don't know. Does, there's there's a piece of paper in here. So if you like Tolkien, these are the the weird things you end up with. So this is the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. It's for ages three plus. This is good. I'm old enough. Uh, let's see. Okay, there is the remove the pull tab before using the toy. Rub the front and back side of the base to reveal more secure me- messages, secret messages. Wait, what? There's secret messages in here. <laughs> oh my goodness! Look. Okay, I gotta show this. Okay, I'm sorry if you're on if you're not on the YouTube's or the Rumbles. Uh, wrong thing. So here, look. There's a whole like you could have gotten the entire. Do you see that? It's it's like oh, a group. It's a, it's with a diorama a, with the ring in the middle, and there's a Gandalf and a Saruman. So, you, a, so this was a this was a this was a collect them all. This is like before Pokemon. You had to collect all the pieces. Yeah. It says attach any toy to the Ring of Power and turn the ring to activate its special function. So, I am apparently like 15 pieces out from actually using this thing. This so, is like a, this is like a moral tale. Like in order to to get everything, you have to eat Burger King. It's like you have, to, <laughs> you have to sacrifice a part of your soul. Yeah. So that's what it says, right? Uh, remove the pull tab before using it. Rub the front okay. and back side of the base to reveal more secret messages. All right. And, oh, wait. Look. Go to Burger. Okay. So, so in the extended podcast, we're going to go to Burger King, and we're going to see <laughs> if this URL is still working. 
but have, for happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh if it's like nutritional facts about like you know, <laughs> chicken, chicken nuggets are 400 no, calories man. per serving. No, what, nutritional what? facts from 2001. <laughs> See what madness they believed 21 years ago. There's no, there's nothing to rub on here. I don't know. I can click <laughs> it, and that's is about it, it. Is there anything on the base that has like a separate area? Like a heat sensitive tab or something like that? Um, not, not not that side, the other side. No, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Maybe. No. Oh, look, right there. I couldn't even see it in this light. Rub right. is such a very specific instruction. It wants you to rub it. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's see here if we can. Like, I'm going to rub it. It looks like it's heat sensitive. I think you might be right, Michael. Look at you. You must have had uh, yeah, mood rings heat, back when you were young. sensitive, yeah. My, my daughters did, yeah. This is the one the ring, one an ring. object un of unspeakable power, which must be destroyed. <laughs> Quick, destroy it, Jonathan. <laughs> That's so weird. So it's got right. multiple messages like that. Hold on, hold on. There's. Let's see. Okay, here's I another we were one. I think this. I don't know. I think. I think here's another. One. All right. No, no, no. We'll go online after this. Here for for those freeloaders who are still listening, we'll we'll, we'll tell them the secret message that will improve their life for eternity. <laughs> so what does that say right there? It says, "Come on." Uh, legend tells of a ring believed lost for centuries it has now been found and and uh, am i rubbing off the paint as i'm doing this <laughs> the, this object has now, gone, has now gone down in value to eleven dollars and fifty cents <laughs> they didn't tell you it was a one-time use so yeah, right, right. you do right. it once and now it's, it's like done. A, it's like a scratch and sniff <laughs> i'm rubbing the other parts but nothing is nothing is appearing i'm so sorry um all right all right so we're going to try try in our extended podcast we're going to try getting more messages or going online and maybe maybe we'll, we'll even hit up the uh uh the archive.org right the, the the internet history this should just be part of our our uh our, our archive yeah so I, I don't know guys this is this is this is it so we'll, let's also talk collectibles like what kind of collectibles did you guys have from mm. the films or from the books the favorite thing that you got um this is clearly now my favorite Look at that. Look at that one beautiful one ring. I can even put like my ring finger in it already. Look at that. Perfect. I can just carry it around like that. Where'd you go? I don't I don't see you. <laughs> because of how garish the base is. <laughs> Everything else is blinded. <laughs> Excellent. Oh my goodness. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Dad, All right. dad, dad comedy is the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so thank you i think it's my, my sister-in-law michelle she found this in her garage when we were thank doing a yard sale before moving to tennessee she's like hey you want this and i was like hey, sure i don't know what i'm gonna use it for so i threw it in a box and we moved here i unboxed them like i'll use it one day so if you and, like tolkien this is the crap you end up with and then and eventually like aragorn says today is not that oh wait today was that day <laughs> Okay. Well, guys, I hope I hope you join us for the extended podcast. Go to theonering.com slash patron. You can um, uh, uh, you can become a patron there, believe it or not. It's $4 a month. First month is free. You get the extended podcast. You get access to our Discord channels, uh, our, our message boards, our chats. Uh, you can see Naya's incredible rewriting of the song. I think it's the song Bell from uh, from Beauty and the Beast, where... Uh, we have some very weeks. we have some very talented people. Yeah, on it's incredible. Channel. Like uh, I wish I could do justice to it with music and singing, but I have no real talent when it comes to a voice. But anyway, join us there in our in our Discord chat. It's a lot of fun. You can uh, you can answer our uh, our Discord. All that is gold does not glitter. Um, uh, to try and identify the correct Tolkien answer. Uh, 
And I hope you join us there. You can get the extended podcast. Uh, just get it in any of your podcast apps with uh, username and password. It's great. So easy to do. Easy peasy. And you can watch the entire thing, too, in an unlisted YouTube link. So join us next week. We're going to do the latter half of this chapter into uh, chapter 17 of what is it? Jeez, I don't even have it up. See, I forget all the time of men of the coming of men into the West, not of men. That was a nice short chapter a while back of the coming of men into the West next week. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye.